The information in this podcast is educational in general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. The company discussed in this episode was a personal investment of the host and no point to the host invest client accounts or advise clients to invest in this company. Three. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of In the Market Trenches. If this is your first time listening to us, remember you can find us anywhere that podcasts are available. You can check us out at inthemarkettrenches.podbean.com. You can check us out at snn.network and you can find us at the snn youtube channel that's youtube.com slash snn wire good to see you in person again boy, boy. so uh for this session we were talking about what we wanted to do and i i decided whoa, 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 whoa. producer bobby says that we need to banter for like at least one to two minutes before just diving right in it's been a little while since I've had a therapy session, so I'm feeling good about diving into my therapy session. Here. Producer Bobby, do we got a banter? <laughs> we have to produce. I, I don't know. I think Eric wants to. I think he wants to get into it. He wants to. Yeah, I, this is a therapy session for Mister. He's Eric. ready. He's ready to rock. I mean, I know we talked a little pregame, but you know, he, I think Eric's ready to go. I'm ready. Yeah. All right. Well, then, if you're ready to go, I, I mean, I had a whole lineup of banter planned, but I'll I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll punt it to the next episode. Okay. If, okay. If you, okay. We'll punt it to the next episode. All right. So, what, do, what are we talking? I'll about? take the mic back and I'll say that this week we're talking about innovative food holdings (IBFH). Uh, this was uh, just keep in mind this discussion. It's about uh, our participation at this moment in time. I haven't really followed the company since I've exited the position. I have no strong opinion. We haven't been, you haven't been, we should say we, I mean, this instance, it was only you. It's just uh, me. Uh, you haven't been involved for how long? It uh, has to be four or five years. Feels like at least four years, right? Maybe, yeah, at, maybe least, at least four, probably close well, to five. Let's, let's see that. That Philly conference where we saw the guy, that was 2016, right? And so you were involved for what, like at least three to six months before that? Yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, that's it. It was 2016, right? I had a very short stop <laughs> with this name. Yeah, but it was a, it was a hilarious name to sort of be involved or for you to. Well, it was a hilarious name for me to follow and for I get for you to be involved in, and then sort of after the fact, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I would say this was just more. I learned more about myself in investing in this. Uh, I paid a little bit of tuition for that. Um, by that, by that you mean you lost some money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I had you kind of, I don't want to say coaching me from the sidelines, but we had some friendly discussions about this. And it. Well, I just didn't get it. I mean, you like, just didn't get it. I felt like I did, and I was wrong, and you were right. At, well, I don't know if I. I mean, based on my P and L statement, <laughs> I was wrong. I'm, you were right. I'm wrong about it. I awful. learned. I learned a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm wrong about an awful lot of things too. So it's not like it's like, it, but like I was just super skeptical of this along with a few other ones. So, so let's start at a high level. What is innovative food? So innovative food holdings, while it is, it, they do like specialty distribution of food products. And so they had a couple of different divisions. The one main one was their uh, chef direct. Was that it? Yeah. I think that's what it was called. And that was where they basically basically supplied and distributed all the foods for you know specialty foods, gourmet foods, generic foods um, to all these various places. 
And, and, and did this business, this business generally, if I recall, made money? It made money. At its core, it was a pretty good business. The main risk was they had one main customer, and that was U.S. Foods. And this was at a time where U.S. Foods and Cisco were contemplating uh, merging together. So there was some risk there if the merger went through that they would get dropped uh, as part of that deal. Now, were you involved when this merger was announced and and, and or was that later? So uh, I don't know when I actually entered the position. I think it was announced. I knew it was a risk and I, then I entered. Okay, and the DOJ ultimately the blocked, DOJ ended successfully up. blocked that merger. There was too yep. much, there was gonna be too much market power between the two entities. Yeah, because um, the food food delivery business is an oligopolistic structure. There's like three main players. It's Cisco, U.S. Foods, and uh, Performant. Not Performant. Um, Pinnacle. Okay. Um, I don't know why. But the the decision tree for me was so recognizing it's a risk. It's you know this merger is going to go through. Will it go through or no? And I thought that there is some good chance that the DOJ may block this. You had one buying two, and that's right. Problem. That tends to be problematic. Right. And then if it did go through, what's the probability that they get dropped as, um, that they get cut out of that deal? I didn't know how to probability weight that, but I knew a couple of nodes on the decision tree needed to go through for that to impact me as a, as a shareholder. And so I looked at that direct to chef, uh, the chef direct business. I thought at its core, it makes money. It's a good business. I don't mind owning it. I think that's probably worth the market cap at the time. Um, and then they had this fresh diet business, which I felt like was just an option on the whole thing. So that could really take this thing higher. If it was successful, it was great. Um, there was a lot of scuttlebutt research that was done on the Fresh Direct. Yeah. So before we get into Fresh Direct, let's or, go through uh, Fresh Fresh Diet. Sorry. Yeah, so fresh sorry. Direct fresh is direct the is, other is food some, delivery. It's something different. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. so, is that a it was the Fresh we're, Diet. We're gonna call that a more successful VC company. Yes. Okay. Yes, we can. That's what that's that. what that's what we'll call that. Um, okay. So you, how did you initially find? How did we initially come across this one? So this idea started um, where all good ideas come from, and that's an online message board. Um, an online internet forum for people <laughs> who are talking about different ideas. So we found yes. we found this idea on a forum, and some of these forums. I mean, we mentioned going to these conferences is like going to the Star Wars cantina. Like, if if the star if you could create a, a forum for the Star Wars cantina, like the, some of these would be it, it'd be very a very very similar kind of uh, look and feel, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So. Um, okay, so this was online for had a lot of uh, pretty rabid followers, right? A lot, yep, yep. And they had recently raised some money to do this uh, this fresh diet deal, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and uh, we knew the gentleman that did the pipe. Yep. So they they raised some money to do the fresh diet deal. Uh, they had some outside shareholder that apparently had a not so good background. They want to try and this get is off. Fresh the, diet. Uh, yeah. And they wanted to get off the shareholder roster. And so they had to raise some money to take him out. And we know some of the people that were involved in that. He was in jail, right? Isn't yeah. that what it was? Yeah. yeah. I don't know for what. But. I don't know either. I, don't, I, I never actually found out his name. I'm sure, I'm sure we could find it if we wanted to. It's not worth my return uh, on time with that is like terrible. Yeah. So we're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so they, they they took care of that. They they kind of um, thought that that was a, a hairy situation that they fixed. If I recall, the stock was optically kind of inexpensive looking, right? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like single digit PE multiple kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Normally, when you see something that has a single digit PE, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's either it's usually for a pretty good reason. This one had, I think, a reasonable reason, but maybe. In hindsight, it had a reasonable reason. I think I wasn't aware of why it was so cheap um, at the time. Uh, I, I don't know anyone really. I don't know who was really trafficking this in a major way other than the people that were a part of the forum. So, yeah. yeah, and it was sort of a cult stock among these guys, right? I mean, yep. a lot of these guys, they, they, they drink their own Kool-Aid. And uh, it's, uh, um, so, but, uh, so what, I mean, like, we're super, usually super skeptical when we see a group of people just, you know, down in Kool-Aid. <laughs> Yeah, and so when I saw the announcement of the Fresh Diet, this was also right around the time that my wife and I started our, trying their own food delivery services. We tried Blue Apron. We really liked that. We understood it. We tried Sun Basket. It was like, wow, this is great. And then I see they do this deal, and I think, wow, if it could be just a fraction of what these are, which is like the first like terrible idea to think of, they could just be a fraction of. Well, it like but, it was, like, but it looked like it was a reasonably priced deal. It looked like it was a reasonably priced deal. I, you know, you go on the site, you look at what their offering is, you look at how, what the delivery times look like, um, you know, what the portions look like. I mean, it looked like this is something that I could get behind as my as a consumer myself. Yeah. And I think one of my fallacies here is I projected my own experience with food delivery onto what may be with this investment. And I think that's one mistake I made. Well, I think, you know, um, you being out on the sticks, uh, my, well, no, so we actually, <laughs> and that's kind of, this is, no, we'd actually signed up for blue apron at one point. We'd gotten signed up for blue apron at one point and I guess it seemed fine enough. I mean, but I always questioned whether or not that was a viable business from a unit economics perspective, just generally give something the size of blue apron. And so, right. um, you know, and I'm always kind of skeptical that, um, Hey, we've got this big sexy market here, and if we can only, you know, we 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 define our market really, really broadly, and if we only get a sliver of that, hey, um, you know, we're all going to be wearing uh, covered in gold chains, wearing gold plated diapers, and you know, it's I'm always kind of I'm always kind of skeptical about that because like one of the most influential books that I've ever read as it relates to investing is Peter Thiel's Zero to One, mm-hmm. and you know what he says in that book is you know you have perfect competition and you have monopoly and you have everything in between. Yep. And he says, the problem is that everybody lies about what they are. You know, Google just got, uh, um, Google just got slapped with an antitrust suit from the US government. Years, Google would say, you know, listen, we're just, you know, okay, you know, you're, you're talking about search, but that's not the right way to define who we are. We're this advertising company. And if you look at the whole advertising world, look how big it is. And we're only like a small part of the advertising world. And we are not the monopoly you are looking for. And I'm sort of, for those of you listening, I'm waving my hand like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, we're not the monopoly you're looking for. And, uh, and these guys, you know, like the other, but, and, but the people who have crappy businesses or like, like at their core aren't that great. They'll, they, will, they will also lie and they'll say something to the effect of, hey, look, this is a huge market opportunity out here. And if we only get a little sliver of it, you know, you know then it's, you know, gold-plated diapers. And, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm always just sort of super skeptical out of space whenever I see that. So I, like with fresh diet, I looked at that and I thought to myself, well, eesh, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, uh, and one of the risks just in the food delivery business in general, it was always, can your client acquisitions outpace the lost clients? 
because I think people are kind of fickle with these things where they want to, hey, let's try something new for a few weeks or a few months. And then it just kind of like your retention rate tends to be kind of lower. Well, I think I think the other key issue at its core is that you always find your best customers first and they're the cheapest to acquire. Right. And so that way, as these businesses grow and get bigger, their customer, the CAC, we'll call it the customer acquisition. All cost, about the CAC. It's all about the CAC, baby. Um, the, the customer acquisition costs just grind and grind and grind higher because you're having a hard, it becomes harder and harder to find people that really want and like to use your product. So you got to do things. You got to offer them a free trial. You got to offer them referral fees for friends and family, like all this sort of stuff that like with your first best customers, like they use it and they tell their friends cause they love it. And then, you know, if their friends love it, then their friends sign up and it's, it's, you, you catch a little bit of wildfire there, but it inevitably, not ine- it's not all things are inevitably, yeah. but they, but with these things, a lot of them will tend to slow. So like, I was just really, I wasn't sold on this as a business and a business model. And I really didn't know about um, Direct Chef, was it? Uh, Chef's Warehouse? Chef, no, Chef's oh, Warehouse is a different company. Yeah, oh yeah, Chef. Uh, Chef, Chef Direct. Direct. So their other business I looked at and I went, ah, I mean, there's customer concentration risk here, but like, you know, are they lighting money on fire with this fresh diet acquisition? And this is a company that did a lot of little deals, right? Yeah. I mean, every quarter they were announcing a, you know, a, $2 million deal uh, to buy this. $2 million, you want to, well, yeah, let's go to, we'll get, let's, to <laughs> we'll get to that. Let's go to the conference. Okay. So um, we wound up attending a conference where uh, management from this company was, was presenting. And, um, you know, there was time for Q and the, the conference had a lot of these people who were, who had already drank the Kool-Aid and a lot of these people drink the Kool-Aid because like, you know, hey, this guy will call me back right away, or you know, I'll 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 text I'll text him and he'll text me back, and call, you know, like, and they 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 sort of think like they're involved because the guy will talk to them, mm-hmm. and like I kind of look like I, I I sort of think that being overly available as as a, as a CEO is like is a little bit of a it's, that's also actually kind of a red flag to me. Like, I want them to talk to me if if I'm a significant shareholder or or as a shareholder generally speaking, but they really shouldn't be overly available, right? Yeah. So like that, that and this like being overly available to the Kool-Aid drinkers were, was sort of a, a red flag in my mind. But they, so anyway, this guy was at this conference and they were given a presentation and then I don't remember anything about the presentation. What do you remember about the presentation? Uh, I don't remember much. I remember the CEO spoke for a little bit and then they had the guy that was heading up the fresh diet talk for a little bit and he held up all the products and showed, oh, this is so great and look what it is. And. Didn't somebody there like didn't somebody that was there like pre-order three years worth of fresh, <laughs> fresh diet? Like, yeah, yeah. And like and that and that and that passed for value added uh, research of, of some kind. I, yeah, I mean, I don't. You know, just as an aside, if a company, if you do that, and a company go files for bankruptcy, like are you're just a general creditor to the bank to the company. I don't. I don't. Like, how does it even work? How are you going to claw that back? I don't. Yeah, you're you're you know you're 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 a guck, right? So yeah, I mean it's and I think that's ultimately what happened because they ended up having the bank BK the the fresh direct fresh the fresh direct, diet, and so yeah, you're diet. just a general un- unsecured claims holder. Anyway, that's an that's an aside. That's, so, I would so never, that's a, that's a different, and this is 2016. I don't think Blue Apron, I don't think that they were listed yet. So like the the sort of the gap between the, the the VC valuation for some of the for some of these really high profile ones was like they were they were unicorns at that point still right oh yeah um, you had a ton of VC money and what did they what did they space. pay for Fresh Diet I don't remember it was it was it was, really? like, eight, it was like seven it was it was a it was a 
it was it was not a ten digit number, right? No, it was it was no, a nine. No, no, it was a it was, it was a eight digit number, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it seemed or wasn't it wasn't even like a seven digit number? Yeah, it was a seven digit number, okay. and um, it seemed pretty reasonable. It maybe even seemed cheap. Yeah, so the on the cheaper side of reasonable, which is go ahead. So I don't really, I don't even really remember what they said in this presentation. I said I don't remember the presentation. I don't really remember what they said during the presentation. I'm just going to pause you right here. And so Gary and I have had, we had back and forth in this name for a little while, and I always chalked it up to, well, Gary doesn't understand this, and whatever. Then Gary at this conference basically punched me in the forehead with this question. Go ahead. So they so they go through this entire presentation about you know the company whatever. I don't remember anything about the presentation about the company. They bring the guy up from Fresh Diet. I don't. And I just remember that you know he, he was a fairly handsome fellow, and that <laughs> and that was it. I mean, uh, and I have a, a, a you know there's nothing you know he was that, that's the only thing I really remember about him. And um, so then they get to, they move to the Q and A section and they're taking questions from people and I don't remember. Do you remember any of the other questions that were asked? Didn't matter. Okay. So, and then like, uh, I kind of raised my hand and like to ask a question. And uh, um, so they finally get to me. And my question was pretty simple. It was um, something along the lines of, you know, uh, these food deliver, these food uh, meal kit delivery businesses are red hot right now. VCs are throwing money at it as, fast as they possibly can. They're shoveling money into these things at some pretty, pretty, pretty high valuations. And, and I was like, and I, and I said, would you guys agree with that? And you go, and they go, Oh yeah, it's a really hot space. And I'm like, and you guys paid what for this? It was whatever multiple it was. And they, and they threw out some really, really low number. And I said, can you just explain to me your good fortune? Like, how were you able to get this at such a lovely, lovely price when if this was any good, um, the VCs would be shoveling money at it as fast as they can along with everything else? And what were the, what was the answer? Like, I don't even like the ant. They were kind of like. So it was kind of one of those jaw. moments for me where like I'm listening to Gary and I'm just like, I'm looking at him like, yes, yes, yes. And then you turn to the people presenting like, I cannot wait to hear what you have to say. And I think the response basically downplayed your question, stripped it of all credibility, and it was just kind of like something in jest. Like, oh yeah, we were just really lucky. We were in the right, it was some version of like, we were in the right place at the right time. And like, these things don't like, if somebody's got something that's really valuable, like they're gonna shop it and like, they're gonna shop it widely. And like, you're you're not gonna be the guy getting that phone call. Like, it's just not gonna happen. They're gonna call, you know, the biggest VC funds in the world, the ones that were involved in Blue, in Blue Apron. And what was the other one that that folded ultimately uh, played it? Played it, yeah. Played it ultimately folded. Like they're going to, they're, they're, people don't go hat in hand to people like you if they've really got something. Like so, it just doesn't happen. I hear this response. I look around the rest of the room. The rest of the room just seemed kind of okay with that. And it's like, yeah, you know, we, we got a great deal. This is a great deal. And, it, and, and I'm just sitting there like, this is not how this works. And you know, you know, what it, you know, what it reminded me of is, is it, it, and a lot of the interactions with these people remind me of this. So we, we, Eric and I will reference this bit quite a bit, but there was an episode of the Simpsons 
the one that was like 22 short stories about Springfield where they're going around the town. And it's, it was, I don't know, was it season six, season seven? I forget. It's an earlier one. And, uh, you know, um, I think the Simpsons are kind of like SNL where like where you were from like ages eight to 12 is, is where you think it's funny. So my, I, I sort of think the Simpsons stopped being funny somewhere around age 15. So I'm, I, I sort of cut off around season eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Season 10 is even a stretch for me, but we referenced this bit where like, Superintendent Chalmers is the only straight guy in this. He's the straight man in the Abbott and Costello routine. And he shows up at Skinner's house for dinner and Skinner burns dinner. And so he runs to Krusty Burger to get, you know, get the meal. And when he's there, the kitchen's on fire. He puts him, he puts him in the oven to heat him up and they catch fire and the whole thing's burning. And, you know, Skinner just makes up a series of lies and Chalmers is just like, what's, what is going on in your kitchen? And Skinner's like, oh, that's the Aurora Borealis. <laughs> and he's like, Aurora Borealis, at this time of the year, in this part of the country, completely confined to your kitchen. Yes. <laughs> and Skinner's like, may I see it? Or, and Superintendent Charles is like, may I see it? No. <laughs> and like, like that's like the... the and he's like, that, that's, like, that's an acceptable answer. Just no. And it's just like... Okay. Like... And, 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 and there's a lot of times in this space where we're having interactions with people where we feel like Superintendent Chalmers. <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, and so shortly after that, um, I, I mean, I don't know how how much longer after that. I think I fell into this fallacy, you know, this this gambler's fallacy, where like, okay, I was a little down on the position. If I could just break the, if I just get right back to break even, I'll you know I'll, I'll sell the position, walk away. Um, yeah, we've since moved on from that line of mentality. Yeah, just it's just not stock, the stock doesn't know what we paid for it, nor does it care. Yeah, co- cost basis is not a valuation metric, um, and it should not be a part of anyone's analysis. And so, except to the extent you want to take a tax loss, sure. Um, and so then I just, uh, you know, I never never recouped it. I just at some point just cut bait, moved on. And so these guys, they did a lot of these little deals. Like Fresh Diet wasn't just, that was the biggest one that they did. And they spent, you know, a, a, probably a, a high seven fidget figure yeah. sum on it, which actually was pretty substantial for them in the context of the company. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but they did a bunch of other little ones, right? Yeah. I mean, I always had some other concerns where I thought the um, executive compensation was a little rich, just given. Out of line out of line where just where the company was and what they were doing, what the growth trajectories were. Um, you know, they awarded themselves some stock and it just, it, something kind of seemed off. A lot of the that. stock seemed awarded, not paid for. Right. The, there, there didn't seem to be a lot of accountability at the board level. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, but there were all these little deals too. And on this company uh, shortly thereafter had, and we know, we know the people that were asking questions on this call. Um, you know, one of the other things that made us basically stay away from it forever, even at, or stay away from it, even after they, they sort of got out of the fresh diet thing and the Cisco deal didn't happen and whatever else was, uh, you know, a, a couple a friend of ours got on a, the last quarterly call they did and they stopped doing quarterly calls after this because of my friend. Um, we, may, we may have it on here at some point, um, but basically during that call, they, they announced another deal and he asked a very innocuous question, which, which, which and I can't find a transcript of this anywhere. Um, there was one at one point, um, maybe if we dig hard enough, we can find it. But um, he basically asked like, how do you know the people that that you're acquiring? Like, how do you know these guys? And what did, what did, and what was the response, Eric? Uh, he basically jumped from that I, for whatever reason and said, well, these aren't related party transactions. Like, well, that's weird. 
that wasn't the question. Um, so it's like, so it's like, if you but came, now I have some follow-up questions. <laughs> so it's like, if you came home like really late at two in the morning and your wife asked you, where have you been all night? And you said, I'm not cheating on you. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> and so like, and the whole conversation and the whole conference call just devolved from there. Did, well, yeah. Like, yeah. I know. I, I think, it, yeah, it and, just devolved from there and it just got super, super aggressive. And, uh, after that, it was announced that they wouldn't do any more quarterly conference calls. Was it announced or did they just simply quietly stop doing them? I think for some reason, I want to say there was some sort of announcement, or maybe maybe the CEO told one of the shareholders who broadcasted it throughout the community that- It started to make its way through the community. That, through, it started to be known that these guys would not do calls. And like, so like if you're having all these private conversations, you're not doing calls, it's like, I don't know. A lot of this stuff is like, should be held in a public forum and like, and I think during the course of this, when the whole thing broke down, what was kind of interesting to me was, you know, the guy was like the follow up. The, the, so our friend asked a question and then um, the, another guy who we don't really know asked a follow up question. He goes, well, I'll answer. I'll answer that. I, we can't talk about that publicly. I'll take that with you offline. And the guy's like, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. This is a public forum. Reg FD applies. If you, you can answer that question here, like, I don't understand why you can't answer that question here. It was it was just like the most bizarre, one of the more bizarre conference calls that I've ever, ever listened to. And. Oh, it was great. <laughs> and, and I, and at one point in time, I heard one where somebody called in claiming to be Bruce Wayne and, uh, you know, acted like Batman on the call. Like, I, like this is, and this was kind of even weirder than that. I, I mean, it's just super, super strange. And then I, I was reading more recently that they did a round table and um, somebody asked if they were going to start doing conference calls again. And the guy was in this, and the management was like, oh, we're, we're going to do it soon. And the guy and the guy was like, "Well, 2021." He goes, eh, "Maybe even now. how about 2022?" Oh yeah, certainly by 2022. And my thought on that was like, "2022 is just enough time for this guy to forget he ever asked the question." And so, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what uh, if if they're going to do calls or not or or what have you. But uh, and there were one or two other things that I thought were kind of interesting. But I don't think we need to go into those now because those don't really share our thoughts as of a point in time. Those sort of bleed into more current thoughts. And yeah. I would just uh, rather not. I mean, they've got some activists involved today and, you know, um, maybe there's going to be some better uh, accountability going forward and, and some other stuff like that. I I sort of think that the activists might have a tough road to hoe, uh, but, you know, we, we don't have a present opinion on that or anything going on in, in or around the company. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if I were to summarize every, uh, thank you for indulging my therapy session. Um, I charge by the hour. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> that seems like a good trade. Uh, yeah, I mean, where I tripped up was, um, you know, I, I projected my own personal experience onto an investment, which it really had no relevance here. The gambler's fallacy. You know, you know I've done this you know, a few times. I think I like to think that I've walked away from this type of mentality. Um, the other thing on executive compensation, I always find it really interesting. Like if you put yourself as management in some of these publicly traded companies, you know, they, they pay themselves well. And um, you, know, you have to look at where are their incentives when it comes to the stock awards and what's their base compensation? And is that reasonable for the job that they're doing and for the industry as a whole? And for a lot of these folks, you know, it's they want to... I think they want to protect that compensation. If you have a CEO, I'm not saying this is the case here. If you have a CEO that's getting paid a million dollars a year in base compensation and bonuses, 
And then for, I mean, particularly if the company has a $10 million market cap, that's 10% of the market cap of the company that these guys are choosing to compensate themselves with. Like, like uh, it's right. You, you know, it, so when we're looking at management comp, it's sort of like, is this, is there skin in the game and did the, did the skin come from me? And, 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 you know, is the comp reasonable and appropriate given the size of the company and this and, and everything else? I mean, right. And then at some of the other extremes, we talked about this in an earlier episode where we were involved with a company that basically took all our after-tax compensation and bought that stock in the open market. I mean, that tells you something too. And so just thinking and recognizing the behavior of the management is is really important. Um, yeah. Yeah. Producer Bobby, you got any outstanding questions for us? Well, I got to tell you, the one thing that stood out to me on this story and, you know, uh, you know, Eric, we empathize, you know, uh, we, we feel your feelings and we're glad that you are feeling your feelings publicly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the one thing that stands out to me, because this is something that happens a lot in microcaps too, is this idea of betting on unicorn trends. Um, and some of these smaller companies, like either just starting up right away just to get the trends or, you know, some some of these companies like this that had you know quality traditional business that they were generating cash flow and you know steadily growing and then now making an acquisition to try and capitalize on that trend you know yeah. so it's 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 pretty interesting to 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 hear more about that and and to follow that kind of that kind of thinking yeah yeah, there's definitely a siren song to some of these things. I mean, it's like if your own business isn't glamorous enough, you go look for something sexy and new. And uh, sometimes, you know, if there's these these unicorn trends, those are, I mean, there's always some shiny object out there. And 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 so it's uh, it, knowing whether or not you're you're invested alongside somebody who tends to go for the shiny objects. Like that's an important thing to know. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's interesting. The question being is like, well, what's more successful being able to capitalize on that unicorn trend if you can develop it organically and not have to deploy too much additional capital in order to try and capitalize on it or try and somehow carve out some way in which your company can, can maybe generate some cash flow from it. Or do you, use some of your cash flow to go out and make a, a you know, try and try and make an acquisition. You know, I, I think more often than not trying to make the acquisition usually <laughs> tends to fail. I mean, there's only a handful of things that management can do with cash flow. So they have a cash flowing business in this instance. And, and, and like when you have a cash flowing business, there's only so many things you can do with it, right? You can reinvest it within the business that you have, right. given whatever your reinvestment opportunities are. You can pay down debt. You can return it to shareholders via a dividend or a buyback. Um, Dividends are preferable if your stock's expensive. Buybacks are preferable if your stock is cheap. And then there's M&A activities. And a lot of M&A is essentially like, you know, I, occasionally I, I will- uh, Oh, I love this. So, so, <laughs> so occasionally I'll see a deal get done and I'll just send Eric a picture of the Joker from- uh, uh, The Dark Knight. The, the Dark Knight where he's standing next to a pile of the gangster's money and he's just lit it on fire. And like, that's like, a lot of times when I see these deals, that's, that's the image that runs through my head. I mean, uh, I've been involved in companies where they've done deals and I'll, and I'll just I'll send Eric, a, I'll send Eric a note that just says, I feel poor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I mean, I think this is a good place to wrap it up. I'll thank you for punching me in the forehead with that question at the conference. You weren't involved at all. Um, it was a great question. The response was even better. Uh, and it told me most of what I needed to know. Well, I'll just tell you that you're a good, good sparring buddy because you've punched me in the forehead. <laughs> in my life. So, um, 
you know. I so wish we got like an actual real answer to that. Like I just out of curiosity, like you just want to know, like, how did you get that deal at that price? Like, I, I, that's what I keep asking myself. Uh, I mean, they, they were paid for it. And the reality of it was, is there were no other bidders and no, there yeah. was a reason there were probably no other bidders. And so, yeah, that, that's, that's really all it was. And it turns out they wound up having to put this subsidiary, the, the subsidiary that they bought it in, they put, wound up putting that into a bankruptcy filing. And then, so it had you wondering if there was any recourse to the good business, you know, through that whole process. And I actually don't know what the answer to that ever worked out to be. I don't think that there was, but I don't know that that's true. Uh, I don't actually, know that. Yeah. It's actually probably a good thing that they, when they made the acquisition, they put it into a subsidiary so that they didn't have to BK uh, the whole business. Yeah, that was, I guess, uh, you know, the smartest thing they did. Yeah. <laughs> All right, land the plane, Eric. Well, everyone, thank you again for indulging me in my therapy <laughs> session. I owe you lunch. We're going to go get that pretty soon. Um, remember, we're available anywhere podcasts are available. Check us out at inthemarkettrenches.podbean.com. Check us out at snn.network. Find us on the SNN YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash SNN Wire. Thanks again, everyone. What I leave out. Great review us. It helps a lot. And uh, if uh, you or someone you know would like to be a guest on our show, we're looking for guests with good stories. And, uh, you know, I think uh, we're, we're kind to the storyteller. So <laughs> thank you. All right. Talk to you soon, everyone. All right. And full disclosure, producer Bobby did not have a position in IVFH. The information in this podcast is educational in general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.